This is 4L with Ryan O'Neill and Rebecca DeCoster. All right, so I think when we started this podcast, DeCoster, we had sort of hoped we would get maybe some celebrity or famous divorces that would creep into the news. But I don't think either of us anticipated we would get the second or third richest couple in the world divorcing by episode five. No, I mean, I, I thought the timing of Kimye was a blessing, but this is heartbreaking and also um, good timing for us. Sure. Sure. No, it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy that they timed this to coincide with our releasing a new podcast. And it is heartbreaking because I think, not to diminish anyone's feelings. I think the Kim Ye divorce, the writing was sort of on the wall for a while. I, the writing was on the wall pre-marriage. Right. But this one, I, I, I was legitimate. Very few things surprised me. But when, it, when I got the like Apple News notification that they had both jointly announced that they were filing for divorce, I just remember going, oh. Like it did, it did sort of surprise me a little bit because I don't think there was, I mean, even throughout the pandemic, they've been appearing as a couple talking about, you know, their foundation's global initiatives in terms of mass vaccination, not we, just for do coronavirus. We out, do we need to say out loud that this is Bill and Melinda Gates? Cause we just sort of jumped right in without even saying who's getting divorced. Yeah. So if you've well, been, living, unless under you've been living under a rock, Bill Gates <laughs> And his wife of, what was it, like 27 years? It's 27 years. 27 and years, the, Melinda Gates. Right. And they issued a divorce. joint statement mm-hmm. on the 3rd, right, of May. Yep. Um, and less than a week ago, as we are recording, um, indicating that after a great deal of thought and work on our relationship, we've made the decision to end our marriage and further that they no longer believe that they can grow together as a couple in the next phase of our lives. Okay. So what was your first thought when you read the statement? What not like the really very first thought that this had been something that had been in the works for a while, Mm -hmm. that this was coordinated um, I remember talking to you when it first happened, and I think you were the first person to tell me that their youngest child had just turned 18, September of 2020. Right, because the first thing I did was Google how old the kids were. Right. Because that's right. My, the twisted mind at work here. Well, because I think timing for these things, particularly for somebody as high profile as them, because they're not quote unquote celebrities, right? They're famous. They, I mean, they qualify, I suppose, as celebrities, but that wasn't like the mission, you know, starting a computer company, computer, uh, computer company um, was, you know, now I'm going to be, you know, infamous. And like, I think the the idea of celebrity has become warped and twisted with the advent of reality TV, where there's people who are famous just for doing things that everybody else in the world does. They just happen to get like a TLC film crew on site, right? No. And I I think this is different for a a lot of reasons. One is they're famous, but didn't seek celebrity. Right. Right. So they did, none of the things that they've done have been for the purpose of promoting themselves. 
right? Mm-hmm. So in my, I mean, maybe that's just my opinion, but, um, and I think the things that they're famous for, in addition to obviously the computing stuff and Microsoft is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which did a lot of philanthropic work. And according to their statement, they're going to continue to work on that together. So, um, I love, I, I, so let me say at the outset of this podcast, because I think the money aspect is, is crucially important, but I think we also have developed a warped sense of how much money we're talking about here. Okay. And, and I remember this great interview with Howard Stern and James Corden, where James Corden had revealed that he had done a private, you know, um, carpool karaoke session for somebody who was very wealthy and had charged, you know, a pretty substantial sum. And Howard was sitting there guessing. And he's like, what did you get? 2 million, 3 million. And, and Corden like shoots back and he's like, you're so rich, Howard that you have no concept of how much money is. Cause it wasn't anywhere near that. You know, it might've been like a hundred thousand or something, but because Howard Stern is multi, 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 multi-millionaire, you know, the idea that you would do anything like that for anything less than a million bucks just wasn't terribly, like he d- just didn't compute with him, right? And I think we as a society sometimes get lost in how much money is at play. So I think that's accurate. And I think that, so an interesting thing that happened today, um, and I don't know if you followed this. Well, it didn't happen today. I guess it happened on Tuesday, but I I saw the news story today that Bill Gates already transferred after the announcement, 2.4 billion in securities to Melinda. Um, And they did that on Monday, I guess, at the time they issued the announcement, which says to me, I don't know if it says the same thing to you, they already have their divorce settlement. Yeah. Right? Well, I, maybe. I mean, who amongst us hasn't just casually Venmoed somebody $2 billion? I did that for you yesterday. Right, which was very... So, and I'm so glad you brought this up because the one thing that I've seen people tweeting and talking about is, well, Melinda's not seeking spousal support. Let me just say this. I don't care how much money you're accustomed to having or how much money you've had for the last quarter century. Nobody needs spousal support or alimony when before the ink is dry in a divorce judgment, they're being fired over $2 billion in stock options. Okay. Well, let's talk about that in detail. And I'm glad you brought that up because I thought about that when I saw like, oh, no spousal support. And I thought, well, why would you? I don't know what every other state's spousal support statutes look like. But I know that one of the factors in Michigan is you have to have need. And if someone just Venmoed you like $2.4 billion in securities, I can't imagine you could make a case that you have any need for spousal support. I'd love to meet the judge who sits down and and makes a determination that there is a need for support based on $2.4 billion. And I'm sure someone's going to like write to us or tweet us and be like, well, she was accustomed to this multi-billion dollar lifestyle. So two billions a kick in the bucket. She, you know, she's going to need more than that to sustain her lifestyle. No, she isn't. You don't need more than $2 billion to sustain. Guess what? The private jets and the multi-million dollar homes and the, you know, custom clothing from Tom Ford is all going to be there with a big chunk left over after that $2 billion. And I don't think the $2 billion is the only thing she's getting, by the way. 
No, I don't either because what what the news article that I read said was that the following day, so he transfers it on Monday, the next day he his net worth dropped slightly from 130.4 billion to 128.1 billion. Yeah. That's so tough. it is a it That's is a, a drop day. in the yeah, but it is a drop in the bucket, but it's also more than the net worth of many countries. So, so by the way, the just because we are having some fun with the numbers, the money for their personal estate as well as their charitable foundation uh, per the Atlantic is 180 billion, which is equal to the annual gross domestic product of Kazakhstan. I just realized you can't say that word, or Qatar, which I can say. So, I mean, you have as much money as nations are churning out on an annual basis. So, you know. I know. Well, and then I think the square footage of their house was something that was mind-boggling, too. Like I thought I saw, yeah, 66,000 square foot home with a trampoline room. Can we talk about that for a second? What is a trampoline room? Dude, I can't. I can't. I want to know what the trampoline room is, and I want to know how much that would be to put into my own house. You think it's like a defier airtime situation? Maybe. I mean, if you're going to have a trampoline room, it should be like a defier airtime. I mean, if you have a 66,000 square foot house, you could probably have an entire defier airtime in your home. Sure. Because it's only the size of a Kroger, right? Right. Typically. I really, I really sort of imagine, and maybe it's because I'm projecting what I would do if I had that kind of wealth. But if you have a 66,000 square foot home and 130 billion, wouldn't the more fun thing be to do a Scrooge McDuck style vault with a with a diving board? That's personal to you. It is. That's a very Ryan thing to first of all have Scrooge McDuck even pop into your brain. Yeah. But. I also like I can't even My imagine character. <laughs> it's just the best. I can't even imagine what that would be like. My first thought when I saw 66,000 square feet was how many people do they have cleaning that? Like it has to be a crew that lives there and does it every day, right? Like I can't even get to my baseboards. Are you kidding me? I it would be insane. They they have to have somebody who is staffed there full time. It can't just be one person. It has to be like a staff, like a full, like Downton Abbey <laughs> type deal, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to get an idea of just how many square feet, like how big that is. Like I'm trying to find something that like would resonate with how big a hot, like 66,000 square feet. It's really big. That's huge. Right. So it's like, I don't even, I mean, you know, I can't do math. That's why I went to law school. So I can't even say, oh, that's like 100 of the biggest house you've ever been in so far. Like I can't, I can't even get there from here. But so let's, the average size home here, just statistically, the average size home in the United States is 2,301 square feet. I was going to say 2,200, so yeah. Yeah, you were, yeah. you were dead on. So their home, by comparison... Are you using is, a calculator? Yeah, because I can't do math. That's why I went to law school. It's 29 <laughs> times bigger than the average home in the United States. It's 30 of, it's 30 of the average American houses. It's yeah. 30 of them. 
So, you know, take, take a small subdivision and put them together and you've got their house. Or take a large splinter Mormon polygamist family from Southern Utah and you can each have a regular house instead of a trailer. Now that's personal to you. That's personal to me. <laughs> um, no, well, I'm and sort of here's the other thing. So by too. the way, for comparison, the White House is 55,000 square feet. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's just slightly bigger than the White House. Slightly <laughs> bigger than the White House, which, you know, has offices and a residential living space and yeah. Sure. And is running the free world, depending I on I want to know if President Biden has a trampoline room, because if he doesn't, that's what we need. That's what needs to go in. He won't, do not give him a trampoline room. No, he needs a trampoline. Next to his Peloton, we're putting in a trampoline room. <laughs> you just want to love it. Peloton. <laughs> He'd love it. So here's the other thing that I was interested in seeing as I'm reading articles about this obsessively, which is I was not aware and probably should have been that statistically speaking, the divorce rate for all ages is dropping, but the divorce rate for people over 50 is increasing. And there's a lot of speculation about why that is. Um, And I thought we should touch on that also, because I think there are probably a lot of reasons that are cultural and financial and. Well, and and I think it's a good thing to talk on. It it also brings up just as a small diversion. One of my frustrations with the coverage of, of their divorce is the rampant speculation that goes on that sort of masked is like reporting. So there was an article of why did the Gates divorce therapists way and why first off, unless you're their therapist, you have no clue why they divorced. Right. It's just, it, it's stuff like that that drives me nuts. And by the way, if you're a therapist who chimed in on that article, you don't have clients that are as wealthy or as well-known as the Gates because those people aren't talking about these types of things. So I think it's, it's, I don't know. I always think that those types of articles are great for clickbait, but I think that they're ultimately useless because we don't know the reasons why. We do know, like you said, that divorces in that age group because she's, he's what, 67 and she's 56? He's 65 and she's 57, 65, I believe. Okay. So you're talking folks who are either at or near AARP level getting divorced and that that age group has increased. Right. So why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think it's different for everybody, but I think there are probably some key reasons and... I think one of them is particularly for people who have means, right? Um, It is financially possible to do that at that age and not really suffer financially. Like you may have to move into a smaller house. So for example, going from 66,000 to maybe like 20,000, right? Square feet house. Um, Or if you're a regular person going from a 3000 square foot house to a 1500 square foot house because you're an empty nester and who needs all that space anyway, right? Yep. Um, so I think it's, if you are of certain means, it's financially feasible to do that and not worry about starving to death, okay? I think that's a really good one. I think certainly more financial independence, especially at that age, I think frees people up to, I mean, you know, think about it. When you're 30, you know, if you, if you both go to college and have student debt, the last thing you're probably wanting to do is is run out and get a divorce. Not that you can't, but 
But I think certainly at that age, it also, you know, if you're in your mid to late 50s and you've been saving, you know, you at least are not as worried about what the future is going to hold. I think also for a lot of people, at least the ones that I think, you know, more locally, this wouldn't obviously apply to Bill and Melinda Gates and their $130 billion. Um, but, you know, let's say you start having kids when you're 29, 30, 31, um, you know, and you want to make sure that they are jettisoned through college, you know, before disrupting anything, you know, where does that take you? 52, 53, 54 years old. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, I think there's sort of like an A track and a B track on that as far as like when your kids get old enough to emancipate. I think there are some people who have held on until their kids emancipate because they want to make them sure that they've got them sort of, you know, launched and ready to engage with the world and have done their jobs as parents. And I think there's a B track where you weren't holding on. You really thought everything was fine and things were copacetic and then the kids are all gone and you look at each other and you're like, who the hell are you? And what, like, what do we have to talk about now that we're not having this joint business project of raising these kids anymore? Like now what? And do we really even like our business project is over. So now what do we do? Um, And I don't, there are some people who I think can't, there's nothing left after that. I think that's a really stellar point. Like, I think there's a lot of people who, and, and it's through no fault of anybody's. I think there's a lot of people where your your marriage, you know, becomes defined by, you know, the the raising of children, taking care of them, providing for them, which means we're working, we're, you know, making sure that they've got clothes on their backs and schlepping them off to soccer and football practice. And yeah, then once they're out of the house, um, and they are now they're now starting doing these on Friday is just absolutely brutal for the way I talk. I, I feel like I have like like my jaw can't function. Um, oh please! <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right. That now you're now you're you know 55, and you're like, well, what are we? Like, you know, I don't know who you are anymore because now the common thing that was keeping us together is no longer there. I I think, well, you know, without being therapists ourselves, you know, but you do hear a lot of people talk about that that's why it's so important that you make time to build and foster and remain intimate throughout the entirety of your marriage. Don't, you know, always be kid-centric, but also making sure that you're going out on date nights and make sure that you're, you know, staying connected with your partner because, you know, I think it is easy to sort of, grow apart, you know, when you're constantly consumed with the idea of, you know, raising children. I, I, right. look, and, I, I, and I'll say this, I think that's probably one thing that's, you know, made the pandemic has made more difficult, right? Like, you, you know, you live in Michigan where, you know, we've had restaurants shut down for eight of the 12 months. Where, where are you going on date night? Well, and that, and I think it's, it is, you have to work really hard if you want to keep the marriage viable while you're parenting. Mm -hmm. So you could be great parents together and amazing parents together. And then when the folks who benefited from your parenting relationship no longer need your parenting relationship and you realize that there was a relationship that you let languish and die while you were doing all of that, like, I think it's super common and easy if you if you aren't making like a Herculean effort to keep watering that plant, like plant's going to die. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, 
I think it's easy to sort of fall into that, into that path and to then suddenly like, you know, almost like wake up from a 20 year dream and be like, Oh shoot. Like, I don't know who this person is anymore. Like we've in, in, in engaging in this, I love the idea of calling it a joint project, um, which might now be the nickname for my own kid. Um, (laughs) The joint project. I go pick the joint project up from gymnastics. Um, But yeah, when you're finished with it, now all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, you're looking at somebody and it's, it's not the person who you were married to, you know, when you were in your mid twenties. Now it's, it's a totally different, you know, totally different person and a stranger to you. And, and I think that is a great observation in terms of why we are seeing such an influx. I mean, and again, you and I can sort of speak to this locally. I, it is surprising to me how many, you know, divorce cases are filed either as, you know, a divorce with a minor child where the minor child is 17 and a half uh, or DO cases, which for those who don't know in Michigan, those are divorces without minor children, you know, where people are, you know, in that Gates timeline, right? 25, 30, 35 year marriage. And I've had 70 year olds coming in and I'm like, Whoa, like it almost sort of spooks you a little bit. Cause I'm like, I don't, I would not want to be at that stage in life, you know, rebuilding and starting all over. Well, and I think that's like, you know, it being spooky is sort of why the Gates divorce is heartbreaking because they, it's not like they were arguing about money. I would imagine like, oh my God, you <laughs> bought brand name at the grocery store. Like that's not going to be an argument. Um, do we get basic or fancy cable? That's not going to be an argument. Right. Like you're not going to be arguing about whether or not the light bill got paid. You're not going to be arguing about whether or not you're ready for retirement. And so they've got all the money in the world. They're very smart. Um, they seem to have it all going for them and they couldn't make it work. So yeah. what hope is there for us mere mortals who are just down here like struggling every day trying to make it work? And that's, I think, the thing that's scary too about that is... But I really want to live in a world where those petty arguments between them are what broke down the marriage, right? Can you like imagine Bill comes home one day and Melinda's like, are those Cole Haan from Outlet? And he's like sheepishly looking at her like, no, I paid retail price for these Cole Haan Oxfords. And she's just losing her shit on him. Because well, those are the I things think- that break down the marriages for a lot of other people. And it's, it's, it's obviously not what broke theirs down, but it's funny to think about. Well, it is funny to think about. But I think also like I picture it being a world where he comes home with you know, full retail Gucci loafers and nobody knows it because no one's paying attention to each other. Right. Where, I mean, he could have on clown feet and she would not know, or no. she could be, you know, in a cat suit and he wouldn't notice because that's what happens when you're married for 30 years. You stop paying attention to each other. Well, and the one thing that they have in common with virtually every other couple who goes through this is you don't really know what goes on behind the gates of their 66,000 square foot home, right? I mean, it's, you know, there are people that we are friends with who, you know, on Monday afternoon, there's a, you know, photo of them eating out posted on Instagram. And then by Friday, there's a, you know, getting a text that we're filing for divorce because the world that we see through people through the lens of social media, and, and I guess for them, more than social media, right? Because they're interviewed on on television networks and, and they have a much bigger profile than just their Instagram and Facebook accounts. You know, the world that we see of people is is what's crafted. It's what's given to us. It's not really always the reality. So well, you're and I right. think that's, that's true even outside of social media. I mean, I, 
I don't know about you, but I can think about family members where you see them on holidays and you see them at other times. And when they show up to the family Christmas party or they show up to the birthday party, it is a brave united front. And then they get divorced and you find out about all the crap that's been happening behind the scenes that they kept on the down low for years. Yeah. Right. So nobody knows what's going on. And I always also love the speculation, no matter how long the marriage is about like whose fault it is. Um, And we talk about that a lot of times in the context of spousal support. And I think that's really the only time it's even relevant is who's at fault for the breakdown of the marriage. Um, But it's real hard to pinpoint it because, you know, if she had an affair and he says, that's the reason for the breakdown. She's like, well, you know, I did that affair because we stopped being intimate five years ago. And he says, yeah, we stopped being intimate five years ago because of X, Y, and Z. Um, then you, I mean, it's really hard to be able to point the finger at any one thing or any one person and say, that's the reason. Well, and, and the only other divorce, you know, in terms of the modern ultra wealthy divorce that we would have to compare to would be the Bezos. Right. Right. And in that one, there wasn't, I mean, that, like, it was pretty clear, like he had found somebody else and that was what broke the marriage off. Right. Um, I don't remember her name. I think she was like uh, a news anchor in New York, but. Oh, the new chick. Yeah. I didn't commit to that to memory. Her name is Mackenzie. Mackenzie. I think it's Mackenzie Scott. Now it was Mackenzie Bezos. Who, by the way, has done a really, really tremendous amount of philanthropic. I told you I can't talk on Friday. Philanthropic work, even locally in, in Michigan, donating large sums of money to a variety of organizations. So. Well, and it's, I mean, it's fascinating as a percentage, right? Because it's a a huge sum of money for us. But for them, it's like one day at the stock market. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, that's why I got my Dogecoin, because one day that'll be me with my Dogecoin. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) well. Just putting it all into Dogecoin right now. Are you 100% invested in Dogecoin? You've taken it out of the Dow? And yeah, no, I've, I, I've, directed, I've directed my employer to, instead of 401k contributions, I just want Dogecoin. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they did that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah. that would somehow be illegal. I don't know. I don't know how it works. You know, one of the other things that people are speculating about, um, in addition to some of the memes, which are, Tragic yet funny. Right? The, the memes that have been generated from this have been just incredible. <laughs> I, I think I sent. I, I mean, sent it was like it was within minutes of them divorce of, of announcing this divorce, and you know, some of the big meme accounts were already like churning out gems. Does it make you wonder if it's like newspapers where they write the obituary ahead of time and just wait for the celebrity to die? Like maybe they've generated the meme and they're just waiting for the announcement. That old SNL skit where Tom Brokaw wanted to take like a three month vacation. So he had to pre-record every possible headline. I never saw that one. Oh my God. It's, I forget who plays Tom Brokaw, but he does like all these scenarios in which Gerald Ford dies. And some of them were obscene. (laughs) <laughs> Gerald Ford, dead today at the age of 74 after being eaten by a herd of cats. And then, like, broke up. He's like, this would never happen. And the producer's <laughs> like, do you want to take a three-month vacation or not? We got to get them all in. <laughs> so maybe. Maybe the meme generators are the same way. Maybe they've just got, like, a meme for every possible 
you know, scenario of what's going to happen with famous people in their lives and they just ready to go. Right. Well, and then the, so the other speculations are like, you know, loss of intimacy with, which I think is sort of tied to what we were talking about earlier, which is you, you're the marriage relationship is dying and you're not noticing because you're parenting and the marriage relationship is dying and your intimacy between the two of you as spouses is dying. Um, but also like, did someone have an affair? But like we were just talking about, that's often a symptom. That's not the reason. Yeah. yeah. Although it feels a lot like the reason when it happens to you, I would imagine. For sure. Yeah. Nobody wants to be told when somebody has broken their marital vows and committed infidelity. Well, it, you were part of the problem <laughs> because in that moment, you might not feel like you were part of the problem. Well, and no, you feel like the victim. And then sure. the thing that fascinates me is the people who get mad at the other man or the other woman, right? Like as if, if it weren't for that person, the person would have remained faithful because they wouldn't have just found some, you know, like right. somebody else two weeks later who was willing to bed down with somebody who was married. Damn it, there was only two people in the world my wife thought was good looking and you're the only other person and had it not been for you, we'd have still been together. I know. <laughs> it it was just unreal. you and I, dude. It was just you and I. <laughs> and you had to screw it up for me. So do we know whether or not they had a prenup? I've heard, I've seen two different, one that, one report that said yes and one report that said no. I've seen the same reports and I don't know that anything has been definitively announced. Nor do I, I think, think they already have a settlement though. I think the settlement's already a done deal. <laughs> no, I do. Well, it, again, it goes back to how you view the numbers, right? And, and how comfortable you are with it for... 99.99999% of humanity, the idea of transferring $2 billion in stock options would seem like, yeah, there's, there's a settlement in place and this was already sort of the, the outline. That's just the of, first dump. That's right. just the first couple billion. Right. But for them, you know, it might be akin to, you know, I changed my direct deposit from work and now I'm just sending you a few bucks for the status quo order. I, I guess. Know. I don't know. I, I think there was a CNN report that was sort of like predicting that this would be no drama. And I think certainly no public drama. Like the, these are not folks who are going to have their no. PR agents releasing statements about, you know, whether or not someone got drunk on an airplane and assaulted one of their children. No, there's for a, for a variety of reasons. Number one, Sort of the same thing with the Bezos divorce. I mean, to sort of go back to it, when you are Jeff Bezos and you are the face of the richest company in the world, having petty squabbles and, you know, tabloid stories about you doesn't help your stock price. And it wouldn't help Microsoft's if, you know. Well, also it's tacky. Well, it is. No, I, I agree. But I'm saying there are, they have millions if not billions of reasons right why this can't be a very public ugly um squabble right they, they just can't okay right. and also um, like even though their kids are all legally adults i i don't care how old my kids are i don't want to do anything that's going to hurt them and it's not like it's going to hurt them any less when they're 18 or 23 than it would if when they were eight, they might be able to wrap their head around it a little bit better, but it's still going to hurt. I don't want to saying horrible things about the other parent in public or in a court file. 
which we've right. talked about on a different podcast. Right. No, I, and I think even above and beyond that, you know, I would expect that they are still going to pursue their global philanthropic efforts. I mean, the name of their foundation is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Are they going to split that and we're going to have the Bill Gates Foundation? No, they said no. They said they were going to continue to work on that together. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, you can't have this global philanthropic. Um, I mean, I think they got like 1,600 employees just on the foundation. I mean, it's a huge operation, mm-hmm. massive. Um, public squabbles don't help with that. So I, no. I don't think you're going to hear tawdry details. I don't think you're going to hear about, you know, Bill not going to the outlet store for his Cole Hans. I think it's just going to be, we're done. And there might be a few scattered stories about the financials, but I think even that's going to be fairly buttoned up. Yeah. I would not expect, I'd expect their divorce judgment to be one single page referencing the, you know, settlement agreement that is only going to be held by the lawyers and by them. Probably. Done deal. I think that's a, I think that's a good guess. Um, he's also a Diet Coke person. I don't know if you knew that. He drinks like a whole bunch of Diet Coke every day. Well, that's about the only thing Bill Gates and I have in common then. Same. Because, again, unless that Dogecoin hits, not happening for me. I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure by indicating for the large listening public of three people that you're totally invested in Dogecoin. Yeah. Well, it is up. I mean, it's up. It, so far, I will tell you, my investment in Dogecoin is up 165%. I feel so. like we've come to the end of the substantive part of our podcast and should probably stop recording now. Yeah, we're going to record. Next week is all about Dogecoin. So. <laughs> no, it is not. Tune in, tune, in, tune in next week for investment tips on Dogecoin and cryptocurrencies. We're going to be <laughs> releasing some NFTs of Rebecca DeCoster's artwork. Oh, my God. I hate you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So one of the downsides of podcasting that at least we're quickly learning about is that when you record a podcast five days before you plan on releasing it and news breaks, uh, you got to do what I'm doing right now, which is supplement the podcast uh, so that it doesn't sound as though we had no clue what we were talking about. So um, over the weekend and over the last day or so, especially more reporting has come out uh, that Bill Gates' um, wife, Melinda, began talking with um, divorce attorneys back in 2019, so two years ago, uh, right around the time that it was being reported by the New York Times that Bill Gates had some interactions with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, We also have new reporting that came out this weekend that uh, an engineer came forward at Microsoft that same year and reported that she was also having an affair with Bill Gates Um, there is reporting that he was asked to step away from the Microsoft board. Bill Gates denies that's the reason he stepped away from the board. So, you know, um, he'd ended up resigning though on March 13th, 2020. Uh, And again, all this stuff has been reported by various outlets. Uh, I'm going off of the Yahoo News report here. Uh, So I guess the lesson of the day in all this, the nice little neat takeaway Uh, after our 30-minute podcast on the topic is that tawdry details are always going to come out, right? We got great reporters that that are going to dig these things up, and it's just hard to keep a lid on these things. 
uh, and I would expect that there will be more coming out uh, in the days and weeks um, that follow, uh, you know, either confirming or denying the reports that are already out there. So, yeah, sorry. Hope you made it to the end of this because, you know, this was our only chance to really sort of clean it all up. Um, bye.